Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. All right, everybody. Well, can you believe... 2023 is over. It just feels like it just went by like that in some regards. And so this year is gone. And for most of you, you know this because I've said it before, but this 2023 marked a very special year in the history of our Savior's Church. It marked our 25th anniversary. Yeah. We've been a church, our church launched 25 years ago this year, and this is, that's part of why we're celebrating what we're celebrating today, and we're going to celebrate what God did just this year locally here at the Broussard campus as well, and you'll get to hear more exciting things as the year goes on as we recap things from the year, but for those of you that were here, you'll remember our church began in a little honky-tonk. That's literally what it was called. It was a honky-tonk. It was a, a place where Waylon Jennings came and played and Irma Thomas came and sang and political events and all of those things happened. And you can still see this building as you're exiting right where the long awning is uh, in the parking lot. As you're pulling out of our church, you see a white building. That was where our Savior's church began. And the people there would sit in these hard plastic ugly orange chairs and would listen to Pastor Jacob Aranza get up and talk about a future, something that we believe God was going to do, not just in this community, but in Acadiana, that we would see churches planted all over, that we would have the mission of breaking pride, poverty, and prejudice. And who would have guessed all those 25 years ago that we would be sitting where we're sitting right now going, God, look at all that you've done. Look at all that you've done. From a very, very humble beginning to planting campuses all over and continuing to plant campuses all over. And we're going to see churches, more and more churches, birth out of our church, making good on those promises all those years ago, great is God's faithfulness. Just by a show of hands, how many of you were here in the orange chair days? How many of you sat on those hard, ugly orange chairs? Come on, let's give it up for our orange chair people. Thank you all for your faithfulness. Thank you for helping to pave the way for all that God was going to do. So I want to celebrate that, but I also want to celebrate again what God has done just this year. But before I do, I want to ask you a question. Here's the question. How many of you would like for 2024 to be your very best year? Yeah. I don't know what's wrong with the people that didn't raise their hand. I don't know what you're hoping for in 2024. But I personally would like for this to be my best year. And I want to talk to you about how to make it the very best year of your life. I'm going to talk about ways that we can help ensure that that is the case. But there's a problem 
with the term of the new year. And it's a word that a lot of people don't like. It's the word new. We don't like new. Some of us do. Some of us like change. But others of us, we don't like new because with new comes change, comes uncertainty, comes a bit of anxiety about what's to come, a little nervousness about what the future has, to, has in store for us. And so, as a matter of fact, the title of my message this morning is simply new. We're going to talk about that word new. Now, again, most people don't like change, but there's a few things in life that are certain. Taxes, death, and change. Those three things, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how successful you are, or no matter how disappointed with life you are, you will have those things. Things in life will change. And with that change, birth, birth things that are new. And so I want you to know something about God. Number one, God doesn't change. This is what the word of God says about God. God says about himself. He says that I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right, we talked about this at our Christmas Eve service when thinking about Jesus and what the book of Revelation says about him, what John says about him, the revelator, and what Jesus says about himself, that he is the one that was and is and is to come. And I want you to keep that in your perspective about God because as I mentioned before, God, God is not in time. Time is in God. And that's a profound statement that I really want you to chew on. God is not in time. Time is in God. That means that God created time, that God doesn't have to work on the timeline of time because he created it. Before there was trackable time, there was God. Before there was a calendar, there was God. Before there was a clock and a watch, there was God. He always was. He is the beginning and he is the end. And so that's what I want us to see. God doesn't change. However, God often changes things in our lives. God is the author of change. God causes change. And sometimes God will cause change without even asking your permission. Can you believe that? He will change things in your life in a manner that is uncomfortable. And it will come sometimes gradually, other times it will come suddenly. But he's God. And if I can give you an encouragement that you're going to hear resounding more, more and more in this message is this. If that, that God that was with you in the past, he will also be the same God with you in the future. That if he was faithful to you back then, what makes you think he won't be faithful to you in the future? So as we face the new, as we face the future, I want you to have confidence and hope in your God. And sometimes you got to go back and remember what he's done for you. Sometimes you have to go back to those moments and remember just how he helped you, how he provided for you, how he took care of you. Great is his faithfulness. So God will cause change, even uncomfortable change. But I want to talk about this, this term again, this word new, and I want to go to the Old Testament to quote a scripture that God himself talks about newness. God himself references change. But I want to go there. It's God speaking through the prophet Isaiah, and I've heard this 
scripture quoted, albeit many times probably out of context, but I want to give it to you in context for what God was actually saying. This is what God spoke through the prophet Isaiah to the nation of Judah. Israel, the northern kingdom, had already been taken into captivity. Judah, God's, God's people, the Jewish people, they're still in the land that God promised to them. But then God sends a prophet to shake things up. This is what he says. Isaiah 43, verse 14. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sakes, I will send an army against Babylon, forcing the Babylonians to flee in those ships they are so proud of. Now, let me pause there for a moment. Because something you need to know about the, the nation of Judah is that, again, there, were the, there was Israel, northern kingdom, southern kingdom, Judah. They were all technically considered Israel, the Israelites, God's chosen people. And Judah had sinned against God and sinned against God and sinned against God. And finally, God sent a great, one of the greatest, the first real world global type superpowers called the Babylonian army. And you'll read about what's called the Babylonian captivity, where Babylon comes to Israel and takes that nation captive destroys their temple, and brings them into slavery, into Babylon. This is God's chosen people that they're doing this to. Why did those things happen? Because they weren't faithful to God. Because they sinned against God. And God sent prophets to warn them over and over and over and over and over again. Yet they, consist, they consistently persisted in their sinfulness. And finally, God said, I'm going to send Babylon, and they're going to take you captive. And for 70 years, for 70 years, God's people were captive in Babylon. Y'all tracking with me? And here's Isaiah saying this amazing thing. He says, for your sake, I'm going to send an army against Babylon. For the sake of my people, who I've used Babylon to discipline them, I'm now going to turn on Babylon for the sake of the people that I love. That even in your, even in your sinfulness and your, your judgment, I'm going to be merciful to you and love you and rescue you. And you want to hear what's really amazing about this scripture? None of this had even happened yet. Babylon had not even taken Judah captive yet. God was promising them restoration before he even sent them the judgment. So when I tell you God is not in time, God is not in time. God knows how he's going to deliver you before you've even made your mistake. That's the God that we serve. That's how big the God that we serve is, which is another reason why when God is warning us, don't do it, don't do it, and we do it anyway, remember this. He's already at your consequence. He already sees the pain that that decision is going to cost you. So when he's warning you, don't do it, God sees you. God is with you in your pain, in the consequence of those actions, which is why he's warning. How many of you have ever wanted to, you've wished you can go back in time and go, man, I wish I would have never done that. I mean, you've ever done that. Okay, God's already in the future warning you, saying, giving you that opportunity to not go to that place. It amazes me that God is giving them 
this promise of restoration before he's even sent the judgment for their sin. That's what's happening through this prophet Isaiah. But let's keep going. Let's keep going. Verse 18. It says, but forget all of that. Wait, let me make sure. Nope, let me keep going. Verse 15. I am the Lord, your holy one, Israel's creator and king. I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned their lives, snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. What's God bringing their attention to as he's sending this prophet to speak to them? God is reminding them of when he delivered them out of Egypt. God is bringing to their remembrance when they were held captive once before by another nation and how he delivered them out of Egypt. And many, in many cases, what Egypt represents for us is our sinful past. In the New Testament, when you read, when the Bible connects Egypt to our sinful past, it uses the Red Sea as a picture of baptism, where we go from death, the old us, we pass through the water and we go into new life. So in many cases, that's what Egypt represents for us. In our lives, Egypt represents our past that God's delivering us from. Are y'all with me? And so we see here God saying, remember what I did. Remember who you're talking to, Israel. I am the one who set you free. I am the one who delivered you. I am your king. I am your God. And though you've forsaken me, it hasn't changed the fact that I'm still your king. Let's put this in, in real, just to give you an example of practical. How many of you have ever had your kids say something silly to you like, I wish you weren't my parents? And they could go around and act like you're not their parents, but are you their parents? Doesn't change it. Like, go throw your little temper tantrum. I'll be here whenever you need your car note paid. <laughs> or hopefully not, in some of your cases. God is saying, listen, with all of those things, you may not be faithful, Israel, but I am. And I will be faithful to my promises to you. I will be faithful to what I've said to you. So, Pastor, why should this encourage me? For one, God doesn't work on the same timelines as we do. God is already, as I mentioned, ahead of us and already in those places, which is why we need to heed his warnings and we need to listen to when he's saying, don't do that. But God is also reminding them and he reminds us of his great power, of what he is capable of doing in our lives based upon what we've seen him already do in our lives. How many of you, God has delivered you out of things in 2023? God has freed you in 2023. God has provided for you in 2023. There were moments when you had no idea how it was going to happen, and there was no possible way for it to happen, but God made it happen. And if he was with you in 2023, why would he not be with you in 2024? Then he goes on to say this. The prophet says something that is, is very unique and I want to explain it. Verse 18, he says, but forget all that. 
God is saying, wait a minute, I did, I did this, I did this, I did this, but you know what? Forget all of that. Let's talk about something else for a moment. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. God says, yeah, I did all those things. Remember those things that I've done for you. But there's a tension to be managed when you're looking at the past and facing the future. And I love the way Pastor David Gussick says. He says this. He says, this shows us that there is a sense in which we must remember the past in terms of God's great work on our behalf. There's also a sense in which we must forsake and forget the past with all its discouragement and defeat and move on to what God has for us in the future. So there's a real tension to be managed when you're thinking about the past and you're facing the future. Because sometimes we get so caught up in what the past brought, what the pain was that we felt and faced and discouragements and all of those things that we begin to view the future through the lens of the pain of the past. We see what's going to happen through the lens of how this person hurt me. How this person disappointed me. That time my spouse did that. That time my child did that. That time my boss did that. That time my coworker said this. And we start to view life through the pain of that instead of seeing it for what God wants to show us. And in that sense, there's like the Apostle Paul said, we need to forget the past and press on towards the mark for the prize of the high calling by God in Christ Jesus. We forget the past. In that sense, we press on for the future. Let me just say this. For some of you, and I know this to be the case, from walking with some of you and praying with some of you, some of you need to let go of your own mistakes from the past. Some of you need to stop carrying guilt and shame and condemnation around like it's somehow a badge of honor that God's proud of you for how you're holding on to your sin. Let me help you. He paid for that sin. He's not proud of you for living in guilt. God's not up there going, that's my boy, that's my girl, because you walk around going, I'm a worm, I can't believe I did this, I'm so sinful. So God says, that's what I sent my son to pay the price for. You don't have to pay for it. It's already paid for. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, somehow, sometimes, and I've done it, we think that if we continue to condemn ourselves for the things we've done in our past, that somehow it makes us more right. That makes you more sinful. What makes us right is nothing you've done in your human effort. What makes you right is what God did through Jesus on the cross. That's what it, that's the thing that makes you right. And some of you need this word. This is what the word of God says. If you confess your faults to him, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all sin and unrighteousness. That's the word of the Lord from 1 John. That's what it says. Notice it didn't say how faithful you were. It said God is faithful and just. Why does he forgive you? Because he's faithful. Why does he cleanse you? Because he's just. If we bring those things to him, he washes us clean. Some of you need to make the commitment that I'm going into 24 forgetting what was in 2023. Forgetting the past, forgetting the disappointments, 
allowing God to give you a fresh start, a new beginning. Let's keep going. In other words, again, forget the pain in the past. That we see that we we can see the future for what it is, but we can also get so future focused that we worry and we're fret about the future, again, forgetting God's great faithfulness to us in the past. God has been faithful, God is currently faithful, and God will forever be faithful. He cannot deny who He is. Who He is is faithful. And I'm not giving any of you a license to go live in sin. Quite the contrary. What I'm saying is if you repent and turn, this is what God does with your sin. No more. It's gone. He's not looking up going, yeah, I remember what, I remember what you did in January 2nd on 2023. The moment you said, Lord, forgive me, I repent of that. Guess what he said? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? That's under my blood. Isaiah continues, though, and he says this. He says, for I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. God says, I've already done great things. I've already told you about what I've done for you, and you remember it in Egypt. You celebrate it every year with your Passover. Yes, I've done those things, but you have no idea what I'm getting ready to do. You can't even comprehend what I am about to do. And it was a very real sense, and and practically speaking, there were two things happening as the prophet was saying this, because again, God was telling the people of Judah how he was going to deliver them out of the judgment that he was getting ready to give them. That on their journey home, they would not be alone. They wouldn't be vulnerable on this track and this travel to get back to Israel from Babylon. God's saying, listen, I will, have the, I will make sure the animals don't touch you. I will make sure nothing attacks you. I will make sure if there's no water, I will make water in the wasteland for you. If there's nothing there, I will take care. I will make a path for you in the wilderness. I will provide when there is no other way. Why? Because I've declared it. And I'm faithful to who I am. So there was this very real sense that in the practical, real time, God was saying, listen, when you're coming out of Babylon, I'll be there. Hold on to my promises. But then there was also another promise at work here. And this was the promise. That though you may believe that all of this is just so that Israel can be this great world superpower, it's not the case. Because from you, Judah, will come a son From you, Judah, will come God's son. And that child, that baby we just celebrated became a man, and that man died on the cross for all of the sins of humanity. And that man built a kingdom that is still standing today. Can I tell you something about God's kingdom? It's eternal. It's not going anywhere. It doesn't matter what comes against the church Pastor, did you hear what so-and-so said about the church? I don't care. Because we were around 2,000 years ago. Guess what? We'll be around 2,000 years from now. God's church is eternal. 
Jesus went as far as to say, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Nothing will stop the church. So don't get, don't get so caught up in the politics. They're trying to take this away. Uh-huh. Great. We're not going anywhere. Because God's promised it and declared it. Now, even in this, though, I want you to think about the kingdom that he's talking about. He's not talking about a race of people or a nationality of people. He's talking about a kingdom birthed through the line of Judah that would impact all of the nations and people groups of the world. You have brothers and sisters in Singapore right now. You have brothers and sisters that you're going to spend eternity with in the Congo. You have brothers and sisters that are praying at the same time you're praying in India. He built a kingdom that has shaken the world. And they were just thinking about how God was going to deliver their people out from Babylon. God says, are you kidding me? I'm far bigger than that. And what I have in store is greater and it's more and it's bigger. He says, I want to do a new thing. But here's the thing. I want you to remember what God has done for you in the past so that you can have faith and hope for the future. Faith and hope for the future. For a moment, I just want to celebrate a few things with you. What God has done this year in 2023. I don't know if you remember this, but a few years ago, we had a little thing called the pandemic. I'm not sure if you remember that or not. But a lot of us were at home wondering what the future was going to bring. And when we came back to church, this campus probably had anywhere from four to 500 people in attendance. This year, 2023, our average attendance now is 900 people. Wow. 900 people. Our church as a whole right now is averaging 7,000 people per weekend. All of our campuses, 7,000 people. Come on, orange chair people. How many of you saw that coming? Right, we launched a thing this year called Next Steps, and it was an aggressive thing that we, we started. We changed a lot of different things to develop this new process, if you will, to help people take their next steps in their relationship with God. And we've begun by doing two things, our intro to next steps and our intro to serve. Now, just this year with us launching this, we've had 163 people go through our next steps process, or go to our next steps classes. And out of that, 489 next steps have been taken. Come on, have you, if, if you've gone through any of our Next Steps classes, will you just lift up your hand? Will you just, if you've gone through any of them, come on, let's give it up for those people that have gone through our Next Steps. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't, take your Next Step. Go through our, our Next Steps class. We're going to be launching it next, well, in February, beginning of February. We're going to come back to our Next Steps. An important Next Step, a very important Next Step is our water baptism. Water baptism, that's, that's that moment, like I mentioned in the message, where you, you're going public with your faith. You're declaring to the world, I'm crossing out of Egypt, and I'm now going into the promised land that God has for us. Right? With that, 
We've had this year alone at the Bruce R. Campus, 105 people get water baptized on Sunday. 105 people. Out of those 105, how many of you remember the baptism we did this summer for our summer at OSC at the pool outside? Yeah. 53 people were baptized alone at that baptism, at that summer baptism. And I'll tell you what that doesn't count the over 25 people that were baptized, not on Sunday mornings, throughout the week where people came in and said, I want to get baptized, or public school kids have come to our church and said, we want to be baptized. Some of you know this, some of you don't. We baptized over 20 Westgate high football players here and in the pool. That's happened this year. We've done a lot of outreaches in partnership with the Hope Center led by James and Candy Bertrand and in partnership with Love Acadiana. Let me tell you about just some of the many outreaches that we did there. We, we did um, our Thanksgiving outreach, which we call the God is Good Gobble Boxes. Try saying that fast three times. <laughs> I tried to get them to take the bait by saying, thank God God is good gobble boxes, but they didn't, they weren't biting. We served 460 gobble boxes just Thanksgiving alone. Every one of those boxes came with a devotional because some of those boxes went to people that aren't in church, aren't going to church, but they got to feel the love of God from the church through that. We've had, we've assisted with pregnancy centers. There were multiple pregnancy centers that our church came alongside and supported and served them because young women who've made choices in life want it in the life of their child, excuse me, but they go to one of these pregnancy centers and they get an ultrasound done and they get to see the life of their child that they are considering aborting and many of them change their minds. The church has been a part of that. We've had 24, all of our, with all of our churches, we've had 24 serve day outreaches. 24. Those are days like the days that we went to the early learning center in St. Martinville with candy, leading the charge and serving those schools. Days from, like when we went to St. Martinville Primary just this past year or St. Martinville Junior High School where we washed and painted. Days like that, days when we've gone to places like DCFS through Love Acadiana and renovated five of their offices for them to help support them. And speaking of DCFS and foster care, many of you remember in Legacy, I believe it was last year or the year before, when the governor reached out to the churches and said, we need help with foster care in the state. And we told you that as a church, we wanted to get involved with supporting foster care. Well, just this year alone, nine new families through our training and, and, and connection, nine new families have been certified for, to become foster care parents. And just if you average that out, if you just say two kids, maybe just two kids, and listen, there are families in this church, I think of the Lazanes, who have fostered well over 30 kids, well over 30 kids. And I'm probably grossly undershooting it, aren't I? Hundreds. Yeah, hundreds are more than 30, but yes. But if you average that out, you say just two, let's say they just fostered two kids. 
That's 18 kids that are going to be in healthy, godly environments because of the church. Speaking of foster care, we also said we were going to come alongside the already existing foster care parents and support them because everybody rah, rah, rahs when they get started, but then they get in and they have to walk it out, and at times they don't have the support that they need. So we came alongside of them as a church in Love Acadiana, and we were able to support. In, in March alone, we did a foster care bliss where we were able to serve 28 foster families, providing 156 meals, 89 volunteers serving there, and they did 15 different projects. That happened in March. And in more outreaches that we've done here as a church, again, in partnership with the Hope Center, we did things like Embrace Grace, which is a small group led by Sherry Terrio, who hosted it. We hosted it at the Hope Center for my, who are mothers who are unwed, and they do a big baby shower for them, and they walk alongside them to help support them as they walk into the journey of becoming a mother. And speaking of single moms, we also did a single mother's banquet like we do every year. This year, we had over 100 ladies. I want to say about 125 ladies who came to that. Yeah. And as you can tell, there was entertainment. But blessing and serving those moms, the teacher appreciations that have been done in the community, serving the schools so that the schools don't see the church as competition, but they see us as someone there that loves them and supports them. Through those partnerships, through that hard work, I've literally walked into principal's offices, gotten pulled aside, and them so grateful and seen our track record of serving them that when there's things going on in their life, they've cried to me about changes and things, and I've prayed for them in their office. That bridge was built because of the faithfulness of God and his people, the church. Going back to a few other things to celebrate. Just this year alone, we've had 95, through two different semesters, 95 small groups led here at the Broussard campus. 95. It's everything from freedom groups to men's groups to all kinds of different groups, 95. And I'll tell you what that doesn't factor in. That doesn't even factor in the Come Follow Me groups that we did in the beginning of the year in January. And those come follow me groups, some of you, many of you were a part of that. And I would encourage you, if you say, I'm interested, I want to lead a group. I don't want to wait until we launch those at the end of February. If you want to lead a come follow me group, listen, we will help resource you with everything you need to launch it in January. So that you can help people take a next step in prayer, in Bible reading, helping them know what it means. Because we're going to be relaunching that series, Come Follow Me as well in January. But I'm going to come back to that in a moment. And this one I'm very proud of. The, the thing that makes Sunday morning happens, yes, it's our incredible staff, but it's really our serve team. Yes. Yeah. It's our people who, who they, they're not paid by the church, they don't, but they find purpose in building God's house and serving God's people. Yeah. Just this year alone, we've had 245 members of the serve team yeah. serving in God's house. Everything from coffee to greeting to working with kids in the nursery to being on the worship team to serving teenagers. Come on, somebody. How many of you know they need grace? Right? 
in all of these different areas just showing up to say, I want to serve and build God's house. And as a matter of fact, for those people, if you've led a small group or served in any capacity on a serve team, I want you to stand to your feet and I want to honor you and thank you for an incredible year. Thank you. Come on, let's give it up for them. Thank you. You can have a seat. Thank you for making our Savior's Church a welcoming. I hear it all the time. People, people come and they say, man, this place just feels like a family. You want to know why it feels like a family? Because it's a family. Because it's a family. The church at its worst, at its absolute worst, is a business or a show. But the church at its best is a family. And week in and week out, you love people as they walk through those doors not knowing where they've come from, not knowing what they're going through, and you hug them and you love them and you ask about their day and you ask about their family and you pray for them. Thank you for representing God, his kingdom, and our church very well. I I mentioned this, and I want to end with this. I mentioned the group that we, the groups we had, come follow me. Well, in January, we did that series, and we're going to do that series again in this January. But we, we did a series, and many of you have seen the T-shirts or the sweatshirts that said, come follow me. Well, we launched a really big campaign for it. And when we did that, many of you led those groups, and it just taught people the basics of being a Christian, the basics of walking with God and following Jesus. And again, if you want to do one, we would love to resource you to do it. All you have to do is reach out and say, I want to lead one of those groups, and we'll resource you. But my wife and I led one. We led a Come Follow Me group. And we would meet at the church or at PJ's Coffee on Sundays after church and just discipling people and walking with people. And there was a young man who was in that group. He came towards the very end of that group. He was new to our church. He was Catholic, but he wasn't really walking out his faith with Jesus. And somehow he ended up coming to our church and as he came to our church, he, his uncle attended our New Iberia campus. And so he'd heard about our church, and so he ended up coming, and in one fell swoop ended up becoming a part of my small group. How you like that from, I just start coming to the church to I'm in the pastor's small group. <laughs> but he came, and we began to build a relationship. And then he began to build relationships with other godly young men around him. And he allowed men like Jared Robichaux in his life to help hold him accountable and to help disciple him. He allowed, he started building these types of, this type of community to help him thrive in his relationship with God. He got saved this year, this year. And he began to walk those things out. And I've sat with him and had difficult conversations with him, challenging him to let go of his past and embrace what God has for his future. Challenged his faithfulness. And you know what I've seen in him? He humbled himself. And he followed Jesus. I watched him make tough decisions. I also watched that as he started coming, I watched his mom start coming. And I watched his dad start coming. And I watched God transform and change his life. And I watched him experience getting prophetic words and experiencing the Holy Spirit for himself and seeing just how real God is. And he went from going and joining a freedom small group to becoming a freedom co-leader of a small group. And that young man today 
just in this year, is an intern at our Savior's College and is with us in our staff meetings. I want y'all to give it up for Jonah Pelshay. Come on, Jonah. Yeah. Proud of you. Very proud of you. That happened in one year. One year. I want to go back to a question that I asked you at the very beginning of this message. How many of you would like 2024 to be the best year of your life? I want to tell you how to make 24 the best year of your life. By making it your best year spiritually. 2024 will be your best year if it's your best year spiritually. Because it doesn't matter what happens, the closer you are to God, the more joy you have. The closer you are to God, the more faith you have. Life starts to make sense. Your purpose becomes clear because you're seeing who you really are looking in the eyes of the person that created you. So how do you make this a great year? Make it your best year spiritually. Commit to Jesus like you have never committed to him before. Commit to spending time with him. Commit to reading his word. Commit to hearing his voice. Commit to his people. In 2023, I, took a, I gave the church a challenge that I believe Jonah took. And it was this. Just give us one year. Just give us one How many of you remember that? Just give us this year and show up to everything that we do. If we're going to have prayer at the church, just show up. If we're going to have a worship night, just show up. If we're going to do small groups, just get involved. I'm not asking you for the rest of your life. Just give us one year. And look at what God was able to do in one year. This church, this new year will be your best year if it's your best year spiritually. Make a new, fresh commitment to Jesus. And what does that look like? I'll tell you what it looks like. It doesn't look like a whole bunch of effort. It simply looks like following. It looks like doing what he asks you to do. Not reinventing the wheel, not trying to come up with your own thing to do it your own way. Just follow him. And as you follow him, he'll transform you. And speaking of transformation, I want to leave you with this challenge because New Year's Eve is always a special day for me. Always a special, special day for me. Because it was New Year's Eve, 1996, that a broken, confused, hurting, angry, sinful teenager named Gabe Smith walked into a church and heard the gospel and gave his life to Jesus at the call of Jesus to come and follow him. That happened 27 years ago. And after 27 years, I don't regret that decision at all. Not one ounce of me regrets that decision. He made me a new creation. And I want to give you the opportunity if you're here today. I'm not talking, I'm not saying, hey, I just need to repent of some sin, Pastor. I'm following Jesus. If that's you, repent of your sin. He'll forgive you right where you're at. Like I said, he's faithful and just to do so. But who I'm talking to today are the people that have never made that decision. And maybe you're hearing this ask of you, this calling of you in a manner that you've never heard it before because you've heard it before. But maybe you're hearing it now. He's calling you. 
And here's his calling. Come and follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. I will show you what your purpose in life is. Come follow me. If that's you today, I want to pray for you. I want to give you the opportunity to be what the Bible calls born again. Where you become a new creation. When the old you dies and the new you comes to life. Fresh, new, sins forgiven. What is sin? Every time you've missed the mark, it's called sin. Every time you haven't lived in the way, you haven't lived the way, excuse me, God wants you to live, that's called sin. You've missed the mark. But he wants to give you the opportunity to have every one of those sins washed away and forgiven and to become a new creation in him. I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads. I want to pray for you. And I'm going to briefly tell you how to do that. We say it's as simple as ABC. A, you admit. Admit that you're a sinner. That there's sin in your life that separates you from a holy, righteous God. You don't make an excuse for it. You just call it what it is. B, you believe. Believe that the solution to that sin problem is what Jesus Christ, the Son of God, did on the cross. And then C, you confess. And here's where most people get tripped up. You confess that he died on that cross, rose again from the dead with a brand new life so that he could give you a brand new life. And with that brand new life comes a commitment and allegiance to follow him and to do it his way. So if you're here and you say, Pastor, I want that, I need that. If Jesus is calling me, I want to answer this call. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to lift up your hand and I'm going to pray a prayer with you. Nothing magical or mystical about the words, but there's power in the surrendered heart that is answering that call. One, two, three. That's you. Lift it up. Thank you. Thank you. Lift it up high. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Hands going up all over this room. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. See your hands back there. Thank you, ma'am. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. See your hands. You can put them down. Listen, if you lifted your hand, I'm not going to ask you to come up or do anything. I want you to look up at me for a moment, though, because I want to give you a moment to remember this moment for the rest of your life, that today is the beginning of a brand new start. The old you, gone. The sins and the guilt from your past, gone. He paid for it, and he did it for you because he loves you. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. You can close your eyes and bow your heads. Church, pray this prayer out loud with me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe on the cross you laid down your life for me. And you rose again from the dead on the third day to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with God the Father. I turn away from my sin. I repent of it. And I choose to follow you. And from this moment on, God, you are my Father. 
Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, you're my helper. And heaven is now my home. And I am eternally yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, let's celebrate with every person that prayed that prayer. Before you rush out, there were many, many hands that went up. And if you prayed that, welcome to God's family. I want to encourage you to do two things. Number one, keep coming. This is not the end of the journey. It's the end of the old journey, but it's the beginning of a new one. And I want you to come and get connected in God's church. If you live somewhere else, go to a church. Find a Bible-believing church and get connected there. Because when Jesus calls us, he doesn't call us by ourselves. He calls us into a family to follow him as a family. That's what he modeled for us when he called the 12. He didn't pick one person. He picked the family. So I want to encourage you to keep coming. I also want to encourage you to tell somebody about the decision you made. How do you do that? One, you can verbally tell somebody, I pray today to get born again. What do I do next? You can also take the blue card in the, in the pew pocket in front of you, fill that card out that says get connected at the top, or you can pull out your phones and take a picture of this QR code and it'll give you the opportunity to do the same thing the card's going to do. But keep coming and learning what it means to take your next steps in your relationship with God. And our church for you as I close in prayer, I want to pray for this, but I also want to tell you this. 2023 was a great year in many regards and a tough year in many regards. But hold on to the hope and the faith of what God's going to do in 2024. Because he has something new in store for us all. Stand to your feet. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for your people. And Lord, I just pray for them as they go into this new year, that they go in with the commitment to make this the most committed year, the best year that they've ever had in following you, being closer to you, laying down the old them and pursuing the new them that's found in only you. And Lord, I pray that you would bless them, that you would keep them, that you would make your face to shine on them, that you would bless them and they're going out and they're coming in. And that God, you would make your face to shine on them and you would bless and prosper all that they put their hands to for the kingdom of God and for your great name. And that as a church, we would be a pure church who walks in the fear of the Lord. We would be a powerful church who walks in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we would be a persistent church even in the face of challenges. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. On your way out today, we have cookies to celebrate our 25th anniversary. Happy New Year.